Welcome to Highlawn Baptist Church in St. Albans, West Virginia, where our mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. For more information, visit us online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. We're so glad you've decided to join us, and now we invite you to grab your Bible, if you're able, as we pray that you will be blessed by the preaching of the truth of God's Word today. Good morning. I was just thinking about the promises of God as they relate to us in the times in which we live right now. Which, if you're a Christian, is not a safe time to be a Christian. A lot of times we we take a look at this world, we, we flip on the news, we turn on the radio and we find more and more. It's not just the fact that sin is infiltrating our society or that the things that we know that are against God are there and are becoming promoted. It's also the fact that the people of God are being made to feel uncomfortable and to feel absolute, and in fact almost persecuted for being part of the family of God. We don't like this message. We want to create our own reality. We want to be God in our own eyes. We want to see our truth be the only truth. This is what the church is called to rally against. The prophetic mission of the church stands by the voice of her Lord when he declares to everyone that I am the way, the truth, and the life. The first Christians to bear that name, that name was actually used to make fun of them. When Antioch saw Paul and he called him and his followers Christians, that word more literally translates to little Christs, midget Christs, people who claim to be righteous, people who think that they're better than everybody else, people that think that because they have this messianic figure that they can just go whatever they want, do whatever they want. But the worst of times when they hit the church's life, God takes those times, He takes that oppressive atmosphere, He takes the very tools of the enemy Himself, And he transforms it into opportunities to work wonders, to do ministry. And I think today we saw an abject lesson in God's willingness to make the best of a bad situation. We saw through his servants the Holy Spirit of God step up and do what human beings could not do on their own. This is the promise of God that my word will not return into me void, but that it will accomplish that for which I have said it. That the church will overcome every obstacle that is put in her way, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And again, I call your attention to the fact that gates are there to keep things out. It is a defensive structure. The church is supposed to be an offensive structure. Structure. It is supposed to rescue the perishing, to break down the walls, to break down the gate that hold the sinner back, to bring them into a place where they can be redeemed, where they can meet Christ face to face, that they can fall upon their knees, receive the grace that is due to them 
through the commitment of their Lord. Oftentimes we forget these precious promises that God has given us. We act as a person who is rich choosing to be in poverty. The gospel is full of examples of where the impossible was accomplished, not because the people were brilliant in their own right, but because they were willing and obedient to allow God to work through them. This is our mission. And by not claiming the promises of God, the church will find herself in a self-imposed destitution. Like a rich person who has a bank account with millions of dollars of assets ready to be used and yet chooses instead to starve themselves to death. God has fearfully and wonderfully made you as an image bearer of His. Not only that, but through His precious promises, He has equipped you to do that for which you have been called. Now, if you are in Christ, you are not merely a pew warmer or someone who comes to take part in an interactive concert or to listen to a lecture Sunday after Sunday. You have been called to be a minister of the Most High God. Agents of reconciliation, Paul tells us. Peter goes a step further. He says, you were once not a people, yet now you are made a people. You are a peculiar people, meaning that you are unique among all the earth. You are a royal priesthood. That you, no matter what you have been done, what has, no matter what's been accomplished in your life, no matter what sin you might be harboring in your own heart, no matter what you have guilted yourself about, once you have come under the free pardon of sin that Christ offers all who believe, you are a priest of the Most High God. You are equipped through the power of the Holy Spirit with a mission yet to be accomplished. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But what I want you to gather is this. You are never alone. Highland Baptist Church, it would be easier for you to think that you stand at the forefront of disaster when the truth is you have an availability and opportunity for ministry far greater than anything I believe that you have ever encountered in your ministry. In your 74 years of existence, there is an opportunity here to win back the Highland District of St. Albans. Not only that, but to fill these pews. Not only that, but to see a multitude of names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is your mission to know Christ and to make Christ known. So for the next couple of services leading up till Advent, we're going to be focusing on how we've been equipped. And I want to begin with the promises of God. So first to clear up a couple of misconceptions. Um, do all the promises included in the Word of God apply to everyone at all times? Go ahead and start your notes now. Do the, do it, does every promise mentioned in Scripture, apply to all people at all times? No. Ladies, I'll give you a case in point. I would say that you should probably not expect that when you turn 90 to have a child. That was a promise made to one individual at one point in history but it's recorded in Scripture. So that does not qualify all of us, thank heavens, that it doesn't. 
nor guys should we expect to become dads the instant we turn 100. So, so the promises of God, number one, they indicate the person that they are intended to. And number two, even if they don't point to us directly, they point to the character of God. While they don't point to us exactly, they point to the character of God, how he acts in the midst of the life of the believer. Question two, can an unbeliever claim a promise of God? Can an unbeliever claim the, prom claim the promises of God? They can claim one. For with the mouth, for with the heart, one believes and is saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you confess with the mouth, your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be, for whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be. Okay, so that is, there is one promise that an unbeliever can claim. The promise that leads to salvation. I'll give you another one. If a Christian is knee-deep in sin, if a Christian has backslidden, can they still claim the promises of God? There is one that they can claim and be assured of. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God does not, has never, will never bless sin. And if a Christian, if someone has nevertheless decided to forgo the blessings of the Holy Spirit and His teachings and His influence in their life and has stepped away from that relationship that they are supposed to be enjoying, that intimate, close, personal relationship with God, if they choose to poison it through the inclusion of sin, then God will withhold blessing from that individual to highlight what's going on wrong with their life and to bring them back into a place of obedience and thus a place of repentance. As we've talked about for the past couple of Sundays, from the voice of Jesus Himself, those that love Me will what? They obey My commandments. But for those of us who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. Notice I didn't say they get it right every single time. But for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, Jesus makes this promise, you will be filled. For those of us on that journey, for those of us that claim the matchless grace of Christ, for those that do take advantage of that personal relationship that we have with Him, that we crawl uh, before the throne of grace, that we petition Him for mercy in our hour of need when we confess our sins. And we have a habit of doing that. Then yes, every time that we ask for His forgiveness, we are assured that He does forgive. When we ask for His cleansing power, we know that He cleanses. We can claim those promises and move on to the life of abundance that He has prepared for us. Now again... I am not preaching the claim it and uh, the name it, claim it, grab it, blab it, whatever you want to call type of gospel. What I am saying is this: the life that God has plotted for you from before the foundations of the world is our best life. 
And it's a life that if we lead it in subjugation to Him, and with full awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, it's one that will be victorious. It's one that will be blessed. It is one that we will enjoy. And it is one that will bring glory to our Heavenly Father. We might not be rich. We might not have the biggest house on the hill. We might not have anything more than a shack on this earth. But when the peace of God that passes all understanding reigns within our hearts, when the provision of God is always at our, well, is always blessing us, when we know and when we claim the relationship that we have with Him, no challenge that this world can throw against us will prevail. For He who is in you is far greater than what? He who is within the world. Take out your copy of God's Word with me and let's go to our, our central passage for this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Starting with verse 3. As the Apostle writes to us, His divine power. I'm sorry, once you get there in your copy of God's Word, say Amen. We're starting to wake up. I'm sorry, did I wake up in an Episcopal church this morning? Would you say amen? amen? Soon enough, we will talk about some things that will make Baptists shout. I guarantee you that. Verse 3, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. If you, are not, if you haven't yet... Please go ahead and underline this in your copy of God's Word or make a note of these passages in the flyleaves of your Bible. Verse 4. By these He has given us the very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature. I want you to note that phrase. We are not perfect people. We are not perfect people. But through the power and the influence of God, moment by moment, decision by decision, with Him working within us, we are being sculpted into the image of His Son. That is what Paul means when he writes the fact, that, excuse me, what Peter means when he writes that through these promises, by claiming them and remembering them and having them sustain us, you have a share in the divine nature, in the incarnate ministry of God. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness. Do the work of the ministry. Do not forsake your mission as a priest of God. Be part of the hospitality ministry to feed the hungry, to ensure the fellowship of believers together. Be part of the evangelical outreach of your church, rescuing the perishing who are, who are bound and determined for a devil's hell before it is everlastingly too late. Be in the missions of your church, feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, making sure that they know in the darkness of this world that there is a God who loves them. 
and study to show thyself approved unto God. Faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with what? The prime virtue of the Christian life, all things in our path when we talk about sanctification are about refining your love until it is perfect in Him. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the fruit of a Christian? More Christians. Gold star. Let's do that one more time. The fruit of a Christian is? As we claim those promises, as they sustain us, as the peace of mind that passes all understanding is made evident in the way that we walk in this world, as the joy of, our, of the Lord becomes present, and people see that within us, even in these dark times, it makes a difference. When you hand a sandwich to the starving, when you wrap those who are poor in a blanket, when you help to show the love of God before a world that doesn't know it, when you have an, uh, a person who is ungodly, who appears rich on the outside but is destitute on the inside, crying and screaming because they lead a hopeless life, they lead a life that's full of anxiousness and despair, and you come alongside them and you offer them that listening ear, you love them as Christ loves you, it makes an impact and it opens the doorway through which when they ask us, what makes you different, you can say without a shadow of a doubt, it's not what, it's who. Let me introduce you. His name is Jesus Christ. The person who lacks in these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing of his past sins. This is the backslidden we're talking about. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. I think that one of the most in our noses example of this coming to pass is the person of the Apostle Paul. Paul who was a persecutor, a Saul of Tarsus of Christians. Paul who was a murderer and a terrorist for all intents and purposes. Paul, who was wonderfully remade at the road to Damascus. Paul, who created, or rather, who raised up several churches, who was the emissary to the Gentiles of the Jewish God and her Messiah. I was reminded this week that when Paul breathed his last, and he opened his eyes in glory. His ears not only heard, well done, my good and faithful servant, but they heard the cheers and the roars of applause of the very Christians who he had murdered. That's how the gospel works. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your problems. It doesn't matter how you come before the throne of grace as long as you come before the throne of grace. That grace that God has promised the believer does two things. Number one, it cleanses them of their sins. It wipes the slate clean so that their sins is 
flung as far as the east is from the west, so that God remembers them no, no more. Folks, for those of you that don't know, we don't have an east pole or a west pole. You can only go so far north and you're there. You can only go so far south and you're there. When he says the east from the west, he means that there is a gulf that's immeasurable so that your, your sin will never be there on your slate again. But you are also imbued with the power of the Holy Spirit and made an heir to these precious promises so you're a, uh, excuse me, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right now. Now a lot of us think about heaven as being that place in the far off, that place that we'll enjoy one day when we uh, breathe our last and we wake up there. And while that is certainly true, we often forget about this fact that we are blessed right now if you're in Christ. Uh, one of the habits that I hear all over the place that you are blessed and highly favored. Why? Because you're a child of God. So let's talk about some of these promises and some of the ways that we can claim them. And may God add His blessing to the reading of His Word this morning. Here's one in particular from Malachi. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Now, I'm not talking about Highland Baptist in particular here. I'm talking, but I want you to see the way that God is at work within those who give and who give generously to the work of the missions. And I'm not just talking in dollars and cents here. Do we tithe our time? Do we tithe our knowledge? Do we tithe our skill? Do we tithe our work? Do we tithe our time of fellowship? Not only to be part of the family at home, but do we make space in it also to be in the family of God? All things in moderation. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be found food in my house. Test me in this. Now if you didn't know this, back in this time in ancient Israel, the temple acted not only as the place of sacrifice and the office space for the priesthood, it also acted as a storehouse for the needy, the poor, the impoverished. Grain would be collected there out of the tithe and would be put into storage so that those who were without in times of drought, in times of hardship, or those that were just on the margins of society could still be sustained. In fact, several of the prophets of the Old Testament call out the priesthood for not doing this very thing. But now we're talking about the basic believer. Test me, test me in this. The voice of God is asking, God himself is asking you to test him about this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruits before it's ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. All nations will call you what? Blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Let me break that down for you really quickly. Several theologians, John Wesley primarily among them, said that we have basic responsibilities as being part of the bride of Christ. That we need to help with her ministries. 
by providing for the good of the community and the good of the church as well. Our presence, as in where you are, our prayers, which is in your personal time with God, remember those who are at work within the body of believers, your brothers and sisters. Your prayer, your presence, your service, meaning your active commitment to being part of the ministry of the church. Through worship, through the four missions, the four basic missions of every local church. Through worship, through discipleship, through evangelism, and through missions. And our giftedness, meaning that it's our responsibility to figure out how the Holy Spirit has equipped each and every one of us and then put those gifts to work. If you invest in a company and the company doesn't make any money, what, or what are you going to do with that investment? You're going to move it. If you pour your hard-earned cash into an account and it doesn't give you interest, if you take some of that which, which you have been hearkening up for a long time and someone comes to you and says, I'm getting ready to start a business, I want to see it grow, here's the, the layout, and they take the money and then they just spend it on themselves personally without investing it and putting it to work so that it will grow for you. What are you going to do with it? Now think about what God has invested with you. you. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you, no matter who you are, by God, the creator of all that is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-wise are fearfully and wonderfully made. Not only that, but you are made in His image. Not only that, as if that weren't enough, but you have been equipped to do some wonderful things. It's one of the reasons that the church needs her members to come home. God has equipped each and every one of you with at least one spiritual gift. There's no believer that has not been equipped with the Holy Spirit and has at least been presented with one spiritual gift. The body of believers, the church, the capital C church, as well as the local congregation, is also fearfully and wonderfully made, called out by God to do His work. Now in both the body of believers and in the individual believer, God has invested Himself in you for the sake of doing the work of the ministry together. Do we answer that call when it comes our way? How do we invest our, our presence, our prayers, our service, and our gifts? How do we invest it? How do we balance it out so that we do what we've been called to do? Now here is how, as a priesthood, here is how you've been equipped. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, Paul explains to us, there are different kinds of gifts, and these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, the same God at work. Now to each one is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To another, excuse me, to one there is given the Spirit of the message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between kinds of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still yet to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these things 
are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as one body, though one has many parts, all its many parts form what? One body. So it is with Christ. Look, some of you are outstanding cooks. Cook. Some of you are outstanding teachers. Teach. Some of you are outstanding business experts with lots and lots of experience. Help with the finance and operations. Some of you are, are, are very gifted mentors, being able to work one-on-one -on -one with people. See, everybody here in every local church, not just Highline, but in every local church, you've been equipped to take part in the ministry just as the organs of the body form the human body and have their individual functions. So it is with the body of believers in Christ. You are called together because you, only you, can bring a blessing to this house of worship specified in the way that God has prepared you. When you are not part in the work of the church, you rob the church of a blessing that you have been designed to bring. And you also rob yourself of the blessing that this church has been created to bring to you. Let me say that again. If When you divorce yourself from the local church, when you don't show up, when you don't obey the commandment in Scripture that says, rebuking not the gathering of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, when you decide to sit at home rather than coming here, and I know that there are some instances where that is warranted, please don't hear me to say that you should put yourself in danger. But when you choose, because it's more convenient to not take part in the church. You rob the church of a blessing that you have been designed to bring, and you rob yourself of a blessing that this church has been designed to provide to you. Folks, it's time to come home. And it's time to do the work. And I know that that's intimidating. Believe me, I do. Because you've got an overweight introvert as a pastor. Believe me, I know what it means to get outside of your comfort zone. I know what it is to stand in front of a huge crowd. I know what it is to stand in front of just a few. I know what it is to have every eye boring into you. I also know what it is to make a difference in somebody's life, holding their hand when they take their final breath, being with the family and putting your arms around them as they say goodbye for the last time. That's not something that's comfortable. Yet, that's what makes a difference in people's lives. That's what helps to open the door that Christ himself is knocking on. And as the priesthood of all believers, you have been equipped to handle this situation. Here's a promise for you anytime that you doubt that fact. James, the brother of Christ himself, writes to us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and be complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, write this in the flyleaf of your Bible, because it happens to all of us. 
Any time that we get called to a situation where we don't feel prepared because suddenly something springs up on us, claim this promise. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who what? Generously gives it to all without finding fault. God doesn't blame you if you ask Him for wisdom. God doesn't blame you if you say to Him, I'm not good enough on my own to handle this situation. God doesn't blame you in the least, but in other translation, He says that He grants it liberally. If we ever get called into a situation that seems uncomfortable, the first thing that we should do is go on our face before God and tell Him that we need help. And He doesn't find fault in that. In fact, this promise right here states that He delivers. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unable and unstable, excuse me, in all they do. So if you claim that promise, if you claim any promise of God, there is this caveat. Believe that God will do what He claims He will do. There's only three reasons why as Christians we don't claim the promises of God that are there for us in our account ready to be used. First is because we are trying to do it on our own and we forget about God. What a horrific mistake. Second is because we're in a situation where we feel overwhelmed and we forget to look up. That does happen a lot, but that's why we need each other. So that that person who's mature in the faith can come alongside us and say, I know that you're going through some problems, but remember the one who is the solution. Let's pray together. Lastly, it is because the person has never been discipled on the promises of God and doesn't know the access to the wealth of heaven through the power of the Spirit that they have as a son of, or a daughter of the King. Discipleship is important. The gathering of ourselves together, the breaking of the bread of life is vital for any Christian. It is not good for you to be alone. But together, together we can claim this promise together that no matter what the enemy puts in our way, God will overcome it and we will be victorious. And all God's people said. I'll close with this really quickly. The promises of God to those who are faithful. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who have power who, that is under control, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those, underline this or, or, or write, it, write it somewhere, because this verse gives me a lot of comfort. I hope it will you as well. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to trip up. But it's the race. It's the endurance. It's the perseverance. It's the staying in the relationship with God. Claiming His promise to continue to cleanse us and forgive us. Claiming His grace that is ours through the blood of Christ. It is through that process of sanctification that we are blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Not for those who are perfect. If you're perfect and you're here, get out. 
You'll mess the rest of us up. The church is a hospital for the soul, not a place to show off. The only person who is perfect, who is here, is the Lord of the church. The rest of us are all on the level playing field that says that we need Him. So claim His, claim his blessings together. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the what? Children of God. This is all of our calling, each and every one of them. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed, in other words, are those who are living from 2018 on. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These are just a handful of the promises that God has given you. A handful of the written contract of sanctification that you hold in your hand every time that you pick up your Bible. The same God, being confident in this, Paul also writes to us. He who has begun a good work in you, he will draw it unto completion. No matter what circumstances that you face, living in a fallen world, no matter the trials or the persecution or whatever you see on the news that morning, no matter what your families might be struggling with, no matter what you see going on in our community, we are called together by the blood that was shed on that cross. We are called together to be His children. And God always provides for His children. And all God's people said. And Heavenly Father, we thank You for being a God who provides. We thank you for being a God who never leaves nor forsakes the sight of those that you love. Help us to see you in the midst of the storm. Help us to be anchored and rooted into your faith and your word. Help us to be the messengers of hope and, and the, the ministers of reconciliation that you've called us to be. Lord, as we end the service of the word now and draw into the time of invitation, if there are any that have yet to come to know you in that free pardon of sin, let them claim that promise now. If there are any that are struggling with sin that is making its way back into their lives where they've been absent or their relationship with you have been strained, let them claim that promise that if they but confess before you, not us, but if they confess before you, then you will forgive them and you will cleanse them and you will welcome them back in the shelter of your wings. For all of those who might be seeking a spiritual home, let's, let this be the day that they find a blessing in you. Whatever the need is on any heart, as the musicians gather, use this time. Bring forward as many as you would call and trouble their hearts so that we might feel and know the embrace of the God who sacrificed for us, for our Creator who loves us. For it is in the most holy name of Christ we pray.
And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us at High Lawn Baptist Church. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. At High Lawn, we believe that when you love God, you share His Word. When you love others, you spread the gospel. We would love for you to join us next time, and if possible, to join us in person. To contact or learn more about us, to donate to our ongoing ministry, or most importantly, to learn about the salvation offered to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, visit us at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. Once again, thank you, and God bless you.